I'm Charlie, and welcome to the podcast that's about to take your faith on a delightful and slightly unpredictable journey. That's right. It's time to dive into the world of messy antics. Now, if you've ever found yourself caught between the matzo cracker and the communion wafer, you're in for an absolute treat. We're here to chat about all things messianic and Torah, and let me tell you, it's a roller coaster of divine proportions. Think of us as your trusty guide in this biblical amusement park. We're going to explore the highs and the lows, the hollowbread wins, and the wandering in the wilderness fails. Get ready for candid conversations, guest appearance by prophets, well, maybe just their descendants, and discussions about what it's really like to walk out this whole word of Adonai. So whether you're a seasoned sukkah assembler or you're just wondering about what on earth is a mezuzah, join us for some laughter and maybe learning a little bit about this holy chaos. After all, life is messy and faith is full of antics. I think I said this time, but I think this is going to be my favorite. So I met this next speaker, which of course, you, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see her. And if you peaked already, you already saw the, the uh, graphics. So you know who this is, but just in case you didn't, I'm going to give you a few little tips. Maybe you can try to guess. Um, I met this, this next guest at Surge last year and uh, she brought down the house. Girl was on fire. She has such a like a passion for God's word, a passion for the, I mean, the letters, the words, the language. And I was so inspired by her. I love when someone inspires me, you know, you can, you're inspired, not because I want to uh, be that person, but I'm inspired because I want to do what I do better. And that's how I felt. I left there with like the baby leapt and I wanted to do things better. And that's how she inspired me. So uh, I'm going to let you know that it is Hulda Dawid and she is the founder of Her Royal Roots and Royal Roots Hebrew Academy. And she has an unquenchable heart, as I was saying, for God's word and the unity of his set apart people. Oh, and it's, and you, you know her for five minutes, you're going to know this. I added some things. She is the mom of two beautiful girls. And I know that she's a lifelong learner currently getting her doctorate degree in education at Fresno State. And then there's the books. And then there's the books. Okay, so before you start talking, Miss Hulda, I have to just say, I have given all the books of yours away. So these are the three I have left. So here's the three I have left that I just recently for you guys, when I, I do my um, uh, shelf indulgence moments uh, in podcasts or on, on the messianic lamb and everything. I talk about shelf indulgence every week. This was what on the shelf indulgence list was this 21 day devotional, especially as we were going through the month of Elul. I really encouraged you guys to get into this book, but such a great book. Okay. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. Wisdom builds such a good book, such a good book about it's, it's basically Hebrew dictionary. I, I, I felt like it was, I mean, such a great book. Everyone grab it. I'm going to have all these linked. And then the one I'm loving right now is her latest one emerge. And I'm just going to say, I have to read this one. I've tagged it for myself and I loved it so much. Um, I actually sent a picture of it to my daughter. I want to like frame this. It says my daughters are the fierce expression of every ounce of my suppression. They're wild and free flame and fire. You both inherit the purest part of my fiery soul. Your heart's sincere desires will never be quenched. Hulda, that's beautiful. Welcome to Messy Antics. Um, hi. <laughs> I mean, I don't even want to say anything anymore now. You said so many kind things. I, I'll write you a check later. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Can you tell me before we get started, what, what brought, if you feel, what brought you to write Emerge? What was the, cause this Ooh. is not like, I mean, look, come on. No, they're like, they're, they're, they're day and night. So. I mean, I had to find a different place on my bookshelf cause they're color coded. I might be that person. And so yeah. I was like, what? No, our things can't be like this next cause they're the wrong color. Yeah. Yes. So interestingly, I never thought I would ever write poetry. I've always loved, I love reading everything. I am a reader. I actually have the first decor most people do is like they paint their house. My house isn't even painted still. I moved almost a year ago, but I have a library built inside my house. <laughs> so books are my passion. And I love the way that books have always taken me on a journey. Mm. And so um, as I have written in the past, a lot of it was content that dealt with either Hebraic content or just a better understanding of the word so that we could build a relationship with the creator. And I actually have two poetry books. That's a second. So there's one called Her Peace of Mind. Mm. And I began writing those as like notes in my phone or like jotting stuff down as I was reading, as I was studying, but they're actually sincere reflections of the humanity, the person that I am, as I'm doing the transformational work of walking in Torah. And so the first one was that, and it was a place where I could be authentic because I didn't think a lot of like my traditional audience would even read them. So I could say the stuff that maybe other people might go, oh, you know, and I love that. That's what I love about it is I was like, Ooh, I hope that shakes some people up. <laughs> it, it has that feel. So then this one came, um, I was in a space that they would call it liminality. I was in between versions. I felt like I was really not my, you know, teen 20 self anymore. And there was so much of that that I didn't identify with. And then I was coming into this new version, this new person. And I was transitioning between 32 and 33. And I was just like, yeah, I'm tired of hiding, but I wasn't, didn't feel safe enough to just like, you know, just rebel against everything. So I was like, I have to let this kind of like seep out. And the only way that I knew to do it was the way I know to do everything, which is just through Torah. I had to tell my truth using Torah as my guide and authentically express. And that's how it came along. This is amazing. And and there's uh, the poem that's right across from it. I think it's right across from that one that I, I've just been sitting in it. And it's my sole chance to thousands of ancestors, a hum and moan in a familiar tone, a warrior's cry intermingled with sorrow and tears waiting for a response an acknowledgement, an invitation to return from a distant land. And I was like, that just, that has been, it's haunting me because I'm really big about the, the shoulders on which I stand. Even all of us as women fight the, the women who have fought hard. And, and now what do I get to do? How do I align with his plan, his Torah, and the plan for women to be able to stand in that as their connecto role and actually walk that out? self-proclaimed biblical feminist. Thank you very much. <laughs> I tell people, I'm like, oh, I'm a champion for all things, but I'm first a champion for women. Yes. If I'm not, who else will be? Exactly. Like, it's exactly. definitely. Necessary. I love you embrace that liminal space. You really embrace that moment where you're stepping in, like during that, there is that season. And, and I'm excited. I, I pray that I get to know you when you get to step into the next phase. It's fun as you walk through those phases. I just feel 
I feel him and I feel it's just a great embrace, whatever, wherever you're at in your life right now, women, whatever age you're at, just embrace it and feel brave in where you're at. Part of that bravery, what would have come with you first coming into Torah life. Can you tell us a little about how Torah was revealed to you? Okay. Um, it's one of my favorite stories actually. So at the time, um, I was married. My husband was a Christian pastor. Um, we have an age gap. And so I was young and I didn't understand all the decorum of church, even though I was like a church kid, like you can say I was born in church because my mom was a really young mom. And I think I, I, I'm that kid where she was saved by the time and baptized when she was five and on fire for the Lord. I was that kid. I got kicked out of the Rosebud choir though. So I wasn't all that great, (laughs) but I knew church, but I wasn't, I didn't like the churchiness of church. I just never really felt like it. It just didn't fit with me. Okay. Millennial. So I ended up, I was, we were married at the time, was passing during a Christian church, and I was studying. And I remember I came across the word worship. It was a reading. It was an Isaiah. And um, I was like, what does that mean? It was just like, it arrested me. Did my very first Hebrew word study. Mm-hmm. And it was 2009. And I, all I had was a Zondervan Hebrew Greek Bible dictionary. I found that keyword, that Strong's, and I flipped to the back. And what I realized is that there was only one word technically for worship. And what I came away with was if I'm worshiping something, then I'm not something else. I'm not worshiping God. You can't do both. I can't bow to something, the word worship, and be bowing to God at the same time. And that struck me. So I went to my husband at the time and I said, uh, so... I have a problem with this whole worship thing. I'm struggling with it. And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, I don't think we're doing church right now. We have the age gap. So that was like a a whole thing. He's like, what are you saying to me? And I was like, no, I don't think we're doing church right. And he goes, "Um, maybe to study more. And I said, I don't know. I said, I think, I think I might be a Jew. And at the time he goes, Jews don't believe in Jesus. And I said, well, maybe I'm a Jew for Jesus, but I don't think that doing the things that I'm doing the way I'm doing it right now is really fitting into what I'm feeling inside. And he was just like, oh, just go read your Bible more. And that was 2009. Um, and that was the start of my journey. I kept quiet about it. I, the first book I grabbed, which was so not anything to do with Torah at all. I had two books that like really, really got me. I was really, I love Carolyn Mahaney. I don't know if you know, yeah, she had a book. I can't remember the name of it right now. And I started reading the book and I felt like my whole life was falling apart while I was reading it. And it was about like God's design for women. And I'm like, okay, this is something that I hadn't really focused in on before. And then the other one was a Watchman Nee book. And it was a book called Sit, Walk, Stand. And those two books really began to challenge my traditional Christian views about the Bible. Watchman Nee was a um, Chinese, so he was a Buddhist convert to Christianity. And then Carol Mahaney was a Christian and it led me into, you know, the Oswald Chambers and, you know, all those others. And I realized that people were actually really invested in their spiritual walk within the traditional church construct. 
And so it gave me an invitation to lean in. And so I started actually just, I started teaching myself Hebrew and that was it. That was it for me. It really was very non-traditional. I didn't have a Hebrew teacher or anything. And I was just like, I just want to know what things mean because I just want to be obedient. And that was the catalyst for my walk. I didn't know any of the, all the things I know now, all I knew was if this is not it, then I just need to know what is. Oh, that's so good. I, I, I'm loving in each one of these interviews, I've yet to hear someone say, oh, someone sat with me and they went, took me through the ABCs of Torah walk. And then I got a track and then they gave me a video series to watch. And then every person has said, I'm reading this word popped out, this popped out. And then I started going down the trail and all of a sudden it was like Alice in Wonderland. You're like, I fell down the rabbit hole and then things just started looking different. And even though it's something I'm like you, I don't remember getting saved. I was born in church. I'm, I'm sure I say the same thing. I was born there. I don't even know. I don't remember. And, um, I mean, they were, someone was running up and down the aisles speaking in tongues. And I was laying in the back row. My mom's giving birth and no one noticed because it was loud. <laughs> I mean, I don't know some, I was just always there. And, but what was beautiful is, um, I was living in Merced at the time for me. And it was that I, uh, was prepping for a sermon. I was pastoring at a church there and I opened up the word and, and it was that why is Easter and Passover three weeks apart. And then I started and I started digging and there was nothing, there wasn't anything, there was mm-hmm. nothing. And then I finally found like, oh, there was first fruits of Zion. And I started getting the little binders and the videos and there was, you know, some things then, and, but there was nothing. And, and I want, if you're watching, I want you to be encouraged, whoever it is you're praying for. And you're, you're, you can pray that, that God brings people that will ignite the word in them, but it's written in their DNA, right? Well, the, like the word is in their DNA. It's written on there. It it is set up that we are programmed to respond to that which created us. And so I think sometimes we get caught up in that. Like, what does that look like? And we want it to look the same. And I tell people all the time, you know, some people are like, I realize that if you come from a, a Black Baptist background, then it's like three days and three nights. So you can't count three days and three nights from Friday to Sunday morning. It just doesn't work out. And that like was blowing people's minds. And then you had people who were like, you know, the holidays and this, and the mind is a little unconventional. I didn't, I just wanted to know if I was worshiping right. And so listening is so important as we're trying to get people to understand where we are. I tell people, I don't actually lead with anything that happened to me. I'm always interested in what God is doing in a person. And so I'm listening for that thing. Everybody has a thing about the religious construct that is not the way Yah has it set up that is agitating them. And I wait for that thing to come out. And then I ask, so what do you think God says about that? Because that's their point. That's their catalyst. That's the, and it could be a wound. It could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing, but everybody has something that the father's nagging and pulling their heartstrings on and I believe my job is to find what that is and then to lean in with them on that thing and not interject myself. Do you all hear that? You don't have to fight them. You don't have to get into these battles. We don't have to make sure I have all of my apologetics down so that I can give them all the right <laughs> scripture verses and make sure I can show them exactly, oh, this is why Peter's vision meant this. And this is why this is a, none of that matters. Did you hear her lean in and listen to what 
their trigger point is what is their wound recently had a pastor's wife she and i meet and i sit and listen and it, it came out why do you think paul was so against women because i don't feel that's true and i said you know it's interesting and then we got to start talking about that because that was her point and it was really bothering her and she's like secretly you know coming out of a baptist church and and in there in a non-denominational but still let's be honest it's baptist and yes. they 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 they're really struggling about letting women teach and she's really frustrated with that concept and and uh she said well at least they're coming to the table i said are there women at the table or <laughs> I'm just saying right? what women are coming to the table to help with this discussion. And she's like, oh, good point. There's no women there. I'm like, hmm, okay. How do you feel about that? What do you think God says about that? Right? So you don't have to have the answers. Let's free everybody up right now. You don't have to have the answers. Just keep asking have all the questions. <laughs> right. That's very Hebraic. It is. I Every, mean, a good rabbi just journey. asks a bunch of questions. Hmm. Right. Every great journey starts with a question. I had a therapist and she would always, she has a, a book and I read the book and that's how I ended up finding her. And that's a whole nother story for probably another time. But it's her book is called The Wisdom of Not Knowing. And when you did the thing at Surge on being a control freak, I felt attacked. Uh, <laughs> I am a recovering control freak and not so much over other people, but I'm my own worst control freak. I don't give myself any room ever. And I read her book on the wisdom of not knowing. And I'm like, just the title arrested me, the wisdom of not knowing. She was like, oh, the fertile void has all the answers. I'm like, fertile void. Right. So I, I, I agree. We have to allow people to return to the state of a child as Messiah talked about. It is in being inquisitive that we actually begin to understand. It's not having the answers. So I tell people all the time, if you ever come to me with a question, I'm only gonna ask you more questions. That's how Christ led. You add a question, you ask more questions. Why? We, I can, if I tell you, you're not gonna believe me anyways. Who do you say you are? Who do men say I am, right? Because yeah, yeah. we're gonna believe it either way. Right. It's the same thing when people are exploring their faith. Let them ask the questions, ask them questions back. And the question begins to stir up and grow new neurological pathways. And they begin to explore those things. They need boxes to put the information that they're seeking for in. So I'm just like, I like to help you pack and unpack, but I don't have any answers. That's beautiful. I just, I wrote really big. The fertile void has all the answers. I'm just, I'm done. I'm undone already. That is so good. The fert, Oh, that's good. And, and I hope you all hear it. Just ask more questions. That's so loving. It makes you the soft place to land. It, you, you, they leave and think, oh, I had the best talk with her. It was so powerful. And you're like, I didn't say anything. I just asked a bunch of questions and you did all the talking and they just, they had the best time. But they, like you said, they start seeking. They start looking for answers and it's so fun. So seeking, in the process of seeking, in the process of growing, can you tell me some fun, messy story about, this journey, like, do you have a fun one or two stories about maybe a feast or a Sabbath or something fun that happened to you in, in this process? Cause some of okay, us think so, we have to get it all perfect. And I want, I want everyone to know in this, in this question, none of us do. So I have two and they're, they're pretty funny. So I don't know which one to tell first. Cause I want to like smooth it over with the worst, the worst one with the, the funnier <laughs> one. So <laughs> 
I'll tell you when I realized that I needed to be better prepared for feast days. And this is when very early into keeping the feast days um, was trying to figure everything out like everybody else and kind of driving myself crazy. But I wasn't making sure that I was focused. I realized that a lot about the feast days, especially Passover in this particular instance, it's not about the being perfect with the leaven when you're in your house. That's easy. It's doing it when you're out and when it's, you know, when you're moving around and not making those mistakes. So we were going somewhere during Passover. I had taken the week off and I was stopping at Starbucks and on autopilot, I'm in the car, I'm listening to music, I'm having a good old time, pull up to the window, I order my order, get to the window, I pay for it, grab my order, open the bag, put my food in my mouth, bite down, I start chewing, I swallow, I look, and I'm eating a whole croissant. My mind wasn't there. It was like, I realized something that it's a lot easier. And the lesson I learned that year was it's a lot easier to do this walk in a controlled environment. And I realized that that's a comfortability for so many people. For so many people, it's easy to get with people who are doing the same thing that you're doing and then to do it well. And I always wonder for people who are not in the, in the world in the sense that I have a secular job and I'm around people, is your faith ever challenged? Are you ever distracted? Are you just ever at work? Because I mean, we have the first day, last days, high holy days, but the other days you can work. So for a lot of us, we go to work on those days and we're still within, you know, Passover unleavened bread. And it's like a really interesting space. And it challenged me on, am I as um, diligent about Yah's business when I'm outside of my community as when I'm immersed in my community. And so that year, that was my reflection moving throughout the rest of the year, which is I am moving so fast that in the middle of unleavened bread, I can be literally so not here that I could literally bite into a whole croissant and not realize it till I've like swallowed half of it and be like, I'm not supposed to be eating this. So <laughs> that I was the thing for my people till sundown. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh my gosh. And it, it really helped me. So it was funny because I I was just like, <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> and it it also showed me because you have people who can be really, really strict and restrictive about the process of learning that's embedded in the feast days. Mm-hmm. I'm not in any way saying that what Yas says, not what he says, but this is practice and it takes perfecting. And it t- taught me not to lie. Because some people will be like, oh, I just won't talk about that. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. no, it's, I tell it as a story, especially because there's new people who are so afraid to do the, what they call the law, the, the, those things, because they're afraid of making a mistake. Mm-hmm. And so I share with them, I'm like, every year, I don't care how great I think I, oh, this year I thought I had it, by the way. And <laughs> I had just moved. So I didn't have anything. Yeah. And the people who, I guess, like the, the builders left something in my cabinet. Like they come and they eat and then they put, 
I would have never checked up there because I never put anything in there. And I learned, I learned valuable lessons. Sometimes the stuff that creeps in the leaven, it's not mine. And I still have to check for it. So the lessons, the second one was my third year of keeping stew coat. And once again, moving too fast, I was at Costco and I thought I found gelatin free gummy bears and I bought them for the kids because I was like doing the kids activities for the whole week. And I'm passing out these gummy bears. You get a gummy bear. You get it. I haven't had gummy bears in so long. They have all this gelatin. I'm like, they're fine. They're organic. And I read the back and it was like the second to the last ingredient. And it was like gelatin. Like bears. I've polluted the camp. I've polluted the camp. So I've I've made my, my I love it so much. I love it so much. I had one of my mentors to my home and his family and everything, and we were just being Miss Mister and Miss Hospitality and had a really great fire with everyone around the marshmallows. And never thought, oh, I should check if they were kosher marshmallows or not. And I was like, and we're going to do s'mores because this is going to be so cool. And I got the special little sticks and everything. And the son of him said, we don't eat those marshmallows. And I was like, because he saw the bag and he's like, we don't eat those marshmallows. I'm sorry. I'll just have, uh, I'll just have chocolate. And I'm like, oh man. Yeah. And at Surge this last time. Okay. Let's all be like, here's Charlie open up. I'm passing gum out to everybody. The icebreakers gum. Me. Anybody else want gum? Hi, I'm one of the speakers. Anybody else want gum? Icebreakers, by the way, has gelatin in it. I never thought that I have to look at my gum, but what it teaches us, right? It's so hidden. It's so little. There's no shame in the game here, but it's just about about being mindful, right? And when you know better, you do better. Like, it's not... I tell people all the time, I measure, and not that I'm the measure, but when I think about people, when it comes to food or anything, what do you do when you find out? Yeah, That's the difference between good soil and a hardened heart. Exactly. It's a David spirit. It's like, as soon as I find out, okay, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. Right. That it's when we say, oh no, this is mine. I, Altoids, by the way, have gelatin. If nobody knew that either. Good and they're know. not even chewy. Just, I mean, the thing is, <laughs> is when you have to go grocery shopping and you're submitting your grocery list to the Holy One, I mean, that's where you start getting. And, you know, let's be clear, everyone, neither one of us believe that. And this is a salvation issue. It's just oh. what it's just a way he uses things like the things we eat, the holy days, all those things are ways for us to align to practice. It's a training ground. I tell people, it's a training ground. It's yes. how you, it's like boot camp. I tell people all the time, they, we, people Same. go, food, food. And I'm like, hey, food messed it up for everybody, by oh, the way. Right. Thank you. And yeah. then food is what the creator used to train Israel as they came out of the wilderness. Manna and water. Like it, yeah. it was, it's always that. And it's because food, the attention we pay to what we put in our bodies mm-hmm. has a intense amount of psychological reprogramming. Absolutely. Attached so to good. it. Yeah, I was no. in the air force. It has nothing to do with how I fold my shirt and making sure my underwear and all those things are, it has <laughs> nothing to do with that. That has nothing to do. Who cares? But what it was teaching me to do is pay attention to details. It was teaching my mind certain things about excellence. You know, yeah. what's my next best step of the net act of integrity? What's my next, how do I do this? I can't, you know, I can't hide behind. It's all right here. I love that. So I, I tell people all the time story. too, 
I don't lie about food ever. Like people go, oh, does that not taste good? My kids have, they've only been in Torah. So they don't know anything else. They've only kept feast days. They've only eaten kosher. They don't know. And so I tell them, no, it tastes great. It's not about what something tastes like. And it's like, I, that's a learning process. I think even passing it down because they're always, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do when they get to adults. I would like to hope that they think, oh, mom's really cool. And what she has is doing is really cool. But <laughs> I don't want them to grow up and then go out in the world, eat something and then go, she lied. Yeah. She said, this was terrible. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, That's not what yeah, judges things on whether they feel good to us or whether they don't. It's to see if it is good to you, would you give it up for me? Yeah. yeah. So. I, it's a, cause I said so thing. Yeah. yeah. Hey, <laughs> I got some rapid fire questions for you. First one, what's your favorite subject in school? History. What's your favorite dessert? Anything chocolate. Finish this phrase. The way to my heart is books. What dish do you cook best? Tacos. <laughs> What's one of, what is one of your nicknames? Oh gosh. HD. HD. Okay. All right. After this nine o'clock, I turn into a rapper. Oh, I love it. Hey, hey. Okay. What would, what would be a good spy code name for you? Maybe we need to change this to rapper name, but what's a good co spy code name for you? Stealth force. I love it. Okay. What <laughs> would you ever try stand-up comedy? Yes. I totally get it. Would you rather have regrets about action or inaction? Regrets about action. And what makes you hopeful? Hope. Can I, can I, let me give you more of why I hope makes me hopeful. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hope makes me hopeful because I understand what hope is. And so hope from a Hebrew perspective is the idea that the seed is already present in the soil and it just takes the perfect season of watering for blooming to happen. So as long as the seed is in the soil, I just have to wait for rain and then I'll, I'll bloom. That's beautiful. Thanks for hanging out with me. So tell us the best place to find you. Where's everyone? They want to stalk you. Where's the best place? If you want to stalk me, I would probably stalk me on Instagram. If you okay. want to see me in another light, you can find me on all the other stuff in the other places, but find me on Instagram. Hold this slow meet on Instagram. That's cool. I'm going to put all the places and the links down in the show notes that everybody thinks again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for hanging out with me and take a minute. You guys stop what you're doing right this second and click the subscribe button. If you want to know when new live um, podcast hop it on, just hit the little bell and that way you get the notification. And you guys, one last thing, you guys have to start watching for the surge details because they'll be coming in the next few months and you don't want to miss it. You, I promise you it will sell out. You will want to be one of the first persons, right? Hold up to, yes, to register. Absolutely. We, absolutely. I mean, we'll it's going to be good. With all our I mean, messy antics. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really? Why don't they? I mean, all right, everyone be blessed. And just remember, sometimes it gets messy. And that's a wrap on another Messy Antics adventure. My fellow spiritual adventurers from splitting red seas of laughter to stumbling upon mana mishaps. We've truly experienced the full spectrum of Messianic marvels and Torah tales. Remember, folks, as we navigate the sometimes bewildering but always beautiful path of faith, 
It's okay to have a few loose ends along the way. Embracing the messiness of life is what makes our journey genuine and our connection with Adonai so meaningful. Before we go, let's take a moment to thank our incredible guests who shared their story, insights, and aha moments with us. And of course, a big thank you to you, our amazing listeners. Without you, we'd just be folks sitting in here with a microphone, and that's just not as fun. We'll catch up with you next time on Messy Antics, where the Torah is our compass and laughter is our guiding star. Stay joyful, stay curious, and may your days be filled with blessings that are as abundant as manna in the wilderness. And help us out by liking, subscribing, and leaving us that five-star review.